This afternoon, I'm going to talk about a topic that's one of my favorites. It's one that changes people's lives. It's been changing people's lives for thousands of years. Um, maybe you've been thinking about being a Christian. Maybe you've been thinking about what should I say to someone who might want to be a Christian or preach the gospel to someone. That's what we're going to talk about today. Kids, maybe you've never heard a gospel sermon before. Today is your day uh, to, to hear what the saving gospel of Jesus Christ can do for your lives and what that means. And so um, that's what I want to talk about today. Maybe you're thinking about this. What, what, what does this mean? What does the Bible say about being saved? And uh, that's the topic of the sermon today. It's going to kick off a series. So in the afternoons on Sundays over the next several couple months, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, salvation. And in particular, uh, we're going to be talking about some false doctrines that out there, but I get the exciting kickoff uh, that's going to be talking about what are we supposed to do? Uh, what does the Bible say about being saved? What must I do to be saved? And we're going to answer that question today. We don't want to be like this guy you see in the picture that's drowning, right? And does not know what to do and uh, where the answer to be saved would be coming from. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, I'll begin by, uh, uh, start, we'll start in Acts, the second chapter. Uh, to, this is what we, a lot of times, if you've been raised in the church, if spent a lot of time around the Church of Christ, uh, this is what we would call the first gospel sermon. Um, and that would be just a natural phrase. They take for granted uh, that we're going to preach out of Acts, the second chapter. And so I wanted to start with there. I'll tell you, when I was raised, uh, this wasn't a natural for me. So I feel it's important for us to talk about what the Bible says, and when we talk about it's the first gospel sermon, or what did they say in Acts chapter 2, it's a great place to start. Uh, one, like I said, that can change lives. And I didn't understand what the gospel really was. I remember the first time that I talked to Andrea, and uh, really about church. You know, we had studied together, we went to college together. That's where I met her. Uh, praise God, I did. Uh, but one of the things that uh, really changed my life was, she asked me a, a question. She said, uh, do you know what the gospel is? Well, I thought, doesn't everybody? I mean, I've, I've spent 24 years in churches. Of course, everybody knows what the gospel is. Little did I know I was wrong. And, I, you know, the, the gospel, uh, literally, literally, uh, uh, the gospel is, according to Romans 1, the Bible says it's the power of God unto salvation. So if we're going to answer the question, what must I need, do to be saved, we got to know that the gospel has a part in that. And so when we talk about gospel through this sermon, we're going to talk about uh, that which is the power of God unto salvation. And literally, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, and we'll read this a little bit more later, the Bible says it's what saves us and is the cornerstone of our faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel literally is, literally translated, the good news. And that's what gospel means. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's literally what it is. And Acts 2 was the first time that it was preached as a fact. And so uh, now as Simon Peter in Acts chapter 2, whenever he, stood up, he stands up with the eleven there in chapter uh, 2 verse 14, he begins to tell, um, tell people there about this man who came down to live among them. Uh, he told them about Jesus and the life that was lived. And uh, the man who was approved of God with signs and wonders and all these things and how he was delivered and how he was crucified and how they were guilty, the people he was preaching to, they were guilty of the blood, the literal blood of the Son of God. You and I may be guilty of the blood of God in a figurative sort of sense by living a life that's rebellion to God. 
by not giving our lives to the Lord, these people they were preaching to were literally in a situation where they had the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, on their hands. Why don't you place yourself in those shoes for just a moment? Many of these people, in fact, probably had a large majority of them, had just a few days earlier stood in a crowd earlier and yelled, crucify him. We find from the Bible they said that. In fact, when you read the story of how Jesus was crucified, Pilate uh, tried to talk them out of it. They said, let his blood be on us and our children. And I'll tell you, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Let the blood of this man, this innocent man, be on us and our children. That's what they said. We're going to kill him no matter what. Is what they were saying. You know, two Roman officials tried to let him go. Even the heathen thought he was innocent. They're not going to save this man and risk a riot, so they go to what, you know, this uh, court, if you will. It's kind of a, a bit of a joke, the court they went to, but uh, they went to court, and they put an innocent man on the cross, the Son of God, Jesus. Pilate tried two or three times to get the people to let him go. He even thought, uh, summarize here, well, they'll choose Jesus over Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a really bad man. He was not innocent. Brought him up. Uh, and you know who they chose to crucify? They still chose to crucify Jesus. And uh, then they said, let his blood be on us and our children. And so uh, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, was reminding, uh, reminding the people who were hearing there that they were guilty of this. And he tells them... Uh, <clears throat> And, and uh, you know, I think it's ironic. You know, I think it's worth mentioning, too. In Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were preaching in the temple, uh, uh, they said that you're preaching this doctrine in the temple and trying to bring this man's blood upon us, talking about Jesus again. Uh, I thought that's what they were wanting. That's what they were wanting. It seemed to forget. Sometimes we tend to forget what blood may be on our hands, uh, much like these people. And uh, these folks said they wanted their blood, the blood of Jesus, on their hand. But now they're saying... Uh, when the apostles brought that to light from them, they didn't want to see that. They didn't want to face it. And uh, let it be on us. Well, when the apostles did that, God held them accountable for that. And so here Peter is telling the, uh, the, uh, the audience in chapter 2 there, he's telling them Acts chapter 2, he's saying uh, that this man you killed, you have his blood on your hands. And per your request, incidentally, God's going to hold you accountable for that. He tells them that. But he tells them also that he was resurrected. So notice this, that Christ died, he was resurrected. And unlike David and the people he was talking to, um, uh, uh, Israelites there, they, they thought a lot of King David. But he tells them that, unlike David, Jesus was resurrected and he sits at the right hand of God and his majesty. And so uh, some of them here, they realize what they had done. And so, reading out Acts 2, verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel, whom he is preaching, this is Peter speaking, know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, these guys, they were asking the right question. You know, they were asking. They had the kind of heart that they heard what they had did, and they knew God would hold them accountable for what they did. And for some of those people in the audience, they knew the blood was on their hands. And, uh, and when it bothered them, they asked this question. Had a good heart and had a good conscience and said, what shall we do? What they're asking is, what must we do to be saved? Now, 
Sometimes we look at things we've done and we've sinned. We've broken God's law. Do we have the kind of heart like this where we look, we're cut to the heart, and when confronted with the blood of Jesus that would be on our hands, the sins we've committed, do we look at that and you say, I'm not going to ignore that. In honesty, I cannot ignore that. I don't want this blood on me or my children. I did something wrong. Does it bother you? So you say, I'm not a Christian. Does that bother you? Well, it bothered these folks. And in, in here in Acts 2.37, they asked the right question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They want out. They want out. What can we do? Uh, we killed the Messiah, the one that we've been looking for. And so they're, they're asking, the one we looked through all these ages, we're guilty of his blood. Literally. How can we make that right with God? It's the right question to ask. It's the right question to ask. You know, sometimes uh, my kids get in trouble. We, we were talking yesterday uh, to a kid, and man, I tell you, tell every lie he could to get out of trouble. <laughs> you ever do that as a kid? Well, I, I, I don't like it when my kids do that. I'd rather them just fess up and say, Dad, what can I do to make it right? What can we do to make it right? These people were asking the right question. What shall we do? What must I do to be saved? What can I do to get out of the situation? And this is the question. What can we do to make it right with God? How can we have Jesus the Messiah as our Savior? This question reigned on this day, and it reigns through the ages today. And I want to answer it for you because it's an eternal decision. It's an eternal uh, thought and process that you need to consider lest you have the blood of Jesus on your hand, lest you stand before God someday and be surprised. I'm telling you a story. I'm going to tell you how to be saved today because it's a matter of eternal life and death. And because we care about your souls. Peter cared about the, the, these people. He didn't want to see bad things happen. He didn't see uh, them uh, die and be lost in their sins. So today I want to tell you, I want, I want to impress upon you that you are accountable for your soul. We find from the Bible that your soul is more valuable than everything else in the world. It is so valuable, you need to take care of it. You need to watch out for it. You know, the, the folks, um, Israel, that, that uh, Peter was talking to, they had a concern for good reason, what to be saved. You know, sometimes when we think about what we're saved from, sometimes or what we must do to be saved, I believe it's important to figure out what do I need to be saved from. Sometimes we're in a position where we think we're safe. And I think this is a great, uh, this is a powerful tool of Satan to keep people ignorant where they think that they're safe. But I, I, would, t I would tell you that uh, to arrive at that question where you say, what must I do to be saved? Um, you need to realize that you may not be saved. And uh, I'll tell you, when I grew up, I thought I was saved most of my life until I encountered someone who told me the Word of God, and I realized I was not safe. I was not safe. I had been fooled my whole life into thinking I was, but I wasn't. You know, there's a verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. Read with me here. It says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believe. Let me share with you a story that I think this relates to. Um, when I was eight years old, when I was eight years old, uh, I was sitting 
in a pew, maybe much like you guys are here today, uh, except it was bigger. We had a lot more people. And I was sitting in that pew. I was sitting next to my mama and my, my little baby brother there. He's about Brady's age. And I heard a preacher, and this preacher was very vivid in his explanation of what hell was like. I mean, it was so, it was so vivid, I think I could smell the place. I could hear the wails. I could hear the screaming. I, 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 could, I could tell that I did not want to burn in a lake of fire forever. And when, I, when you read 2 Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse 7, I didn't hear this verse. I didn't hear this verse. I had never heard of the gospel before, but I knew hell was a place I did not want to go. And so I'll tell you, the preacher said, told me something that I needed to do. He said, you need to come up and give your life to God. And I can tell you, when that invitation song came up, I, I, I think I looked like the roadrunner coming up to the front. Okay, I was ready, I was ready to go in my thought, in my mind. Because I knew hell was not a place I wanted to go to. But the reality is I'd never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. And I'll tell you something. I knew I did figure out something that day. I figured out I, I might just be accountable for my soul. And the moment you do that, you might realize that, you know, I've wronged God. and I probably need to do something about it. And when you read uh, uh, verses like we did out of Thessalonians here, it speaks of inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And, and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Je Christ Jesus. We must obey the gospel uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you that day, <clears throat> I, put my, I put my eternal fate in the hands of a man, in the hands of a preacher who did not preach the gospel. And um, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, maybe today you're sitting out here, maybe you've never heard the gospel. But maybe you know you don't want to go to hell. Uh, maybe it's a place you think of and you say, no matter what, I don't want to go there. But, you know, I want to, what I want to do with you today is I want to share with you what the Bible says on how to be saved. Because I want to warn you today uh, that Satan's at work in every community across the world and in our town even here today. People will not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they can be lost. And they will be lost. And when they do, on the, on the day that uh, flaming fire justice... Uh, comes, then the uh, Bible says that we punish with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And, um, and uh, I'm going to encourage you, don't put your trust in man. Don't put your trust in man. Don't, don't listen to what, uh, uh, if someone's not preaching what the Bible says, then we need to not listen to that. We need to, we need to hear what God said in order to do to be saved. Because to answer that question, what must I do to be saved? Men can lead you astray. And I would say today, in light of everything I even say today, am I telling the truth? I mean, we need to ask these questions. You know, is this in the Bible? I didn't ask. When I was eight years old, I didn't ask these questions. I didn't ask, is this in the Bible? Is this person telling me the truth? Um, and maybe some people have listened to what they see on TV or the radio, and you trust your soul to those people, and you depended on these people to know the Bible and tell you what was right. But maybe uh, you're also... I, what I want to tell you today is, you know, maybe there's a time in life later where you begin to realize that when you're st starting to read the Bible for yourself, that uh, they didn't tell you everything. And so today I want to tell you, uh, as we go through this, I want to make sure that you're double-checking in your Bible. It's you, the Bible, and the Lord. I want you to examine yourself. Uh, and because uh, God is going to hold you accountable for your soul. And... Uh, 
You want to be on the right side of things. You want to be saved. Where are you going to be saved from? Flaming fire. Flaming fire. That's how important this conversation is. <clears throat> I'm going to encourage you, don't worry about mom and dad think. Don't worry about the preacher said. Don't worry about what someone's church down the road thinks. It's just you, the Bible, and the Lord. So let's find out what we need to do. How do you answer that question? It's what Jesus says. Uh, we have in the Bible what commonly people commonly call the Great Commission. These are... Uh, Jesus had visited his disciples. He's going to tell them what to do, to go tell people what to do to be saved. So let's hear it from Jesus first. This is what the Bible says. In Luke 24, and verse 46, he says this, And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and that it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise uh, from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. So what I want to share with you here is um, as Jesus is going to, he's telling his disciples what they need to do to preach the gospel. And he tells them that uh, repentance and remission uh, of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. That's with his authority. And so uh, and they're going to start that in Jerusalem, uh, of which we started in Acts chapter 2. And that's where Peter was, okay? So this is kind of the prequel to that. But you must, you must preach repentance. Repentance is a turning around or a change of where you're headed. You might be doing sin in your life, but you need to change your life and stop doing this. That's what that says. And remission of sins is, is um, um, having your sins uh, uh, forgiven uh, by God. And so they've been remiss. They've been set aside. They're remembered no more. And so this should be preached to all nations in the beginning of Jerusalem. And uh, anyway, so he tells them to go into Jerusalem to wait until they're endued from power from on high. And that's what happens in Acts chapter, uh, first part of Acts there. But that's what Jesus said. So we've got repentance and remission of sins that needs to be preached. Uh, also, as part of that great commission uh, that Christ sends his disciples on, which carries on to today, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, uh, verse 15 says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, notice this, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So here we find um, we need to preach repentance, uh, remission of sins. And in verse 16 there, he says, believes and is baptized will be saved. So now we have belief and baptism that's added to repentance. And also notice this, that there's an action verb here that he tells his disciples to do. Go into all the world and preach. There's a going and a preaching Right? So when you ask, what must I do to be saved? Odds are, uh, it's not going to be saved unless someone went to you and preached to you the gospel. So I, I would also encourage you, if you're someone and you know someone that's lost, you may be the only person that goes and preaches the gospel to that person. I can tell you, I can tell you uh, in less than two fingers how many people preached. I had two chances to obey the gospel. I just about blew the first one, and I married the second one, okay? <laughs> but had she not talked to me about the gospel that day, um, my eternal life might have been very, very different. I pray to God one of you guys would have found me if I didn't, meet, if I didn't uh, heed that call. But you got to go, preach, believe, and is baptized, will be saved. So what must I do to be saved? You must believe and be baptized. Jesus also says, I was also part of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and verse 19 through 20. The Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay, 
that means follower. So if you're a disciple of Christ, you're a follower of Christ. Of all nations, baptizing them. There's that baptism again. Uh, then them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this is the, the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I bring up all three of these. Uh, because we also notice here that there's a teaching uh, after, after you become a disciple of Christ. Uh, this, this, I would say, is a point where you would you'd need to learn how to be faithful unto death. Um, and so after you, uh, you believe and you're repentant and you are baptized, uh, then there's also a teaching that would occur uh, to continue that discipleship. But uh, out of the Great Commission, these are the things that Jesus teaches us to do. So if I were to summarize this in a chart, I, I'm, I'm totally... Uh, 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 using uh, one of Pat's wonderful charts here. Uh, if you do a study of the Great Commission, you were to chart uh, this out and what this looks like. Let me see if I can get this to work right. <clears throat> we are to teach all nations. And if you look out of Matthew, he, he was silent on a few things there, but he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, now, it doesn't specifically say to be saved right there, but um, since Matthew, Mark, and Luke are in essence uh, three different views of the same uh, mission that Christ had uh, for his disciples to go and preach the gospel and tell people what to do to be saved, um, then we can, we can stack these up to get a summary down here at the bottom. So Mark 16, 15, 16 says, Preach right, the gospel to every creature in all the world. Gospel, they must believe. He was silent on repentance there, but uh, they must be baptized. And then he says, They shall be saved. Um, and down here, Luke 24 uh, uh, preach to all nations. He was silent uh, on what to preach there, but it, we understand it's the gospel. Belief's not mentioned, uh, but repentance is. So uh, repentance is to be is to be preached. And uh, he was silent on baptism in in Luke, but it's in his name for the remission of sins, or to be saved. Right, and that's to begin at Jerusalem. That's important. Um, so the summary is to teach or preach all nations, or every creature in the world, the gospel. Um, they need to believe, repent, be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or in His name, and they shall be saved or have remission of sins. That's the same thing. That's beginning at Jerusalem. And that's exactly what we find that Peter did. So when you go back and you look at what he did there, the beginning was in Acts. Peter preached to the Jews of every nation the gospel. They believed. They were told to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And they were at Jerusalem. So... Uh, the beginning part of our study is, what must I do to be saved? This is a foundation for us here. Uh, we need to hear the gospel. When you believe it, repent, be baptized. And uh, there's more. But I want to share this with you. That's what Jesus said. The Apostle Paul also said, if you go to Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, the Bible says, now this is Paul, and uh, notice he has a prayer for Israel. Okay, now... Paul is going to mimic what Jesus said here about the gospel. This part I want to ex expose here for you uh, in answering this question, what must I do to be saved? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So first of all, notice that Paul wants Israel to be saved. He's, he's saying this. He says he's got a prayer for it, right? So in order to be saved, he's going to talk about that for a moment. He's going to talk about some things. Uh, verse 2, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Okay, that means they got a lot of energy, if you will, for God. A, a lot of dedication. But notice this, not according to knowledge. I mentioned earlier that I believe Satan will try to keep you ignorant on how to be saved. Um, now, um, I believe that 
the way to combat that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You, you can give people a chance to hear that, and you can give them the knowledge they need to answer that question, what must I do to be saved? And so, um, uh, so in the context of Romans 10, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a few verses down. I want to share with you here. But just notice that uh, this is in the context of trying to save people. Trying to save people. Um, Romans 10 and verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So notice now we've added confession. Uh, belief is reiterated uh, as something you must do to be saved. And then scooting a few more uh, verses down, Romans 10 and 13 says this, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those, notice this, who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Remember, we, we learned in Thessalonians, we must obey the gospel and we must know God. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. Now, this is obeying the gospel in reverse. Uh, Paul, if you start at the bottom here and work your way up, you'll see that Paul is telling people how to be saved. He's mentioning how Israel could be saved. Um, and if you back that up and you go kind of step by step, you'll start at the bottom here. That's what I want us to notice here. We must obey and believe. But notice there's a preaching. Somebody is sent. There's a preacher. Someone hears it. They believe it. And then we'll find a calling on the name of the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but first, you must hear the gospel. So if we work, if we work that plan in reverse that, that Paul was uh, mentioned there, kind of step by step, uh, someone must be sent. And someone must preach. And that's our job. That's our job. Uh, it, I believe it's been given to the hands of men to preach the gospel. We have the eternal word of God. And we can bring that to people and tell them how to be saved. And when they're pricked to the hearts, uh, we can answer that question using the Bible. Um, there are a lot of other doctrines out there that do not believe that we're actually the ones that carry the gospel to people. Uh, that's not what the Bible says. Um, it talks about how can one hear unless someone's been sent? How can they hear unless someone has preached? It's our job to preach the gospel uh, to people. So someone must be sent. Someone must preach. Um, and I'll reiterate 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read it here. Verse 1. This is the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach you, which also you received. I want you to notice that the gospel is something you can receive. Who'd you receive it from? Someone who preached and that was sent. Uh, to preach it to you, which also you received and which you stand. So the gospel is something which you stand in. Remember I said it was the power of God unto salvation. You can stand in that. You can stand in God's power in the gospel, uh, by which you are saved. The gospel is a saving mechanism uh, for man's souls. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, it's something we have to hold fast to, unless you believed in vain. It is possible to believe in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So this is the literal definition of the, of the Gospel, that Christ died, He was buried, and was resurrected the third day according to the Scriptures. And I mentioned earlier that Satan's at work, I believe, to keep you from hearing the Gospel. 
Uh, I, I, and that's why I think sometimes we may take things for granted. I never heard the gospel until I was in my late 20s. Maybe someone else hasn't either. You must hear the gospel. You must hear the gospel and the full gospel that uh, is delivered to you. Um, and uh, if you have not heard the gospel, then I would, I would uh, impose upon you, you may not be safe. You may not be safe. You may have believed what a man has said uh, that is not in the Bible. And so um, we must declare the gospel to those who haven't heard it. And if it's your time to hear the gospel, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. Your soul's at stake. Um, you must hear the gospel. James 1 and 21, the Bible says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I encourage you to uh, receive uh, the implanted word of God. If someone's preaching you the gospel, you need to listen. Um, you need to listen. If someone says that, I want to tell you how to be saved and answer your question, what must I do to be saved? Receive it. Receive it. Uh, it's able to save your souls. If you never receive it, um, then you could be lost for eternity. You must hear the gospel. Uh, also, working off of that list in Romans, you must believe the gospel. Ephesians 2 and 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God. Now, it is by grace. Grace literally means favor. God showed his favor through Jesus Christ on the cross, who paid the price for our sins. Um, but we're saved through faith. We're saved through faith. We must believe um, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it says here we're saved through faith. You must believe the gospel. Romans 10 and 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What must I do to be saved? You must hear. You must believe. Acts 16 and 30 says this, and he brought them out and said, I'll give you an example. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, in context of this, there was a Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas were in prison, and uh, there's an earthquake. And um, instead of just running off, uh, uh, Paul and Silas stayed in prison. Well, back then, if your prisoners were to be let, let go, if, if they went free, this is back in the Roman times, if they went free, then uh, you were pretty much, you're going to be executed because you failed at your job to keep people in prison. And so there was a jailer there that was going to uh, kill himself. And instead, Paul and Silas stopped him. And um, he asked this question. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, we learned what Jesus said to tell him. What do you think they did? So they told him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Now, after that, he was baptized. They were preached to the word. The Bible says that um, the word was spoken to them, they were, and they uh, they were baptized. And so they they obeyed the gospel. But you must believe the gospel. And uh, if there's someone that's not a believer, then the first thing we can tell them is you need to believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can preach to them from the word and increase their faith. You must repent. You must repent. Acts 2 and 37 says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You guys remember this? And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is what Peter said. Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That for the remission of sins means um, in order to receive the remission of sins or to be saved. 
Remember from the Great Commission, we read that that means to be saved. In order to remiss your sins, uh, you must repent. You must repent. Acts 3 and 19 says this, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So we must repent. A repenting is a changing away from, from you may be living one type of life, but a repent is to turn away from that life to turn toward the Lord and to turn away from your sin. That's what repenting means. It's a change, it's a change of heart and mind and, and body to change from what you were doing to not doing that anymore, to do the right thing, follow the Lord. You must confess the Lord Jesus. We found from Romans 10, uh, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus uh, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. We talked earlier today about what we would do if someone came up to obey the gospel. And uh, we'll take their confession. And um, sometimes there's a little confusion on what this confession means. Uh, some, uh, some doctrines would have you confess before an individual sin before someone else. Um, so what I'd like to do is share with you an example of what the Bible says that this type of confession is. This says, in Romans 10, it says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. But we have for, uh, in front of us Acts chapter 8. Uh, in verse 35, there's a story of Philip and the eunuch. It's a beautiful story. And we have what a confession from the Bible looks like. Let's see what it says. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Sound familiar? It's the beginning of preaching the gospel. Now, as they went down from the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? That's a great question, right? We'll learn about baptism here in a second. But notice this, verse 37. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. So we see one that, bat, you know, prerequisite to baptism, uh, whatever that is, right, requires water and also requires a belief in the heart. But notice this too. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, this is his confession. This is his confess confession. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, uh, confess it before men. Uh, confess it before men. And, uh, and like we learned in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, you confess Jesus, then uh, you will be saved. And so uh, we would add this. You must confess the Lord Jesus. It's something you must do to be saved. Now also out of Romans, uh, we find uh, you might have you caught that it said you, you must call upon the name of the Lord. It said Whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I was confused about this for a while. Uh, most of my life, I was confused about what this meant because I was told it was the confession. So it was a, a confession um, or it, maybe it was a, a prayer or something like that. That's not what the Bible says. Let's find out here. I'll, I'll share a few verses with you. Romans 10 and 13, say, recall, it says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? Let's read some more. You know, calling on the name of the Lord was mentioned uh, in the context of salvation. Uh, was mentioned three times. And I'll bring those up for you. It's also uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. That just so happens to be the same chapter that Peter stood up among the eleven and preached the gospel uh, to Israel there. 
Uh, and it says, And it came to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this was actually a, uh, a prophesied uh, um, in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, and this was a fulfillment of that prophecy. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Peter, whenever he told them what to do to be saved, recall he said, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, right? Um, now notice this, and so after Peter, Peter tells them to repent and be baptized, uh, to, to answer that question, what must we do, um, he said repent and be baptized. So Acts 2 and 47, notice this, so if you keep reading in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So the, the folks who were being added to the church were those that were being saved, right? So they were being saved, but what did they do? They were repenting and, be, and being baptized. But they were also calling on the name of the Lord, right? Because how were they saved? They were saved by calling on the name of the Lord, repenting and being baptized, and they were being added to the church. So the ones that were saved were the ones that were calling on the name of the Lord, repenting and being baptized so let's let's read into this a little bit more so this calling on the name of the lord you must call upon the name of the lord to be saved um, paul when giving an account of how he was saved uh, was in acts chapter 22 and verse 16 notice this this is uh, the third time it was mentioned here in the new testament um, on calling on the name of the lord the bible says and now why are you waiting now, this is Ananias. Ananias is telling him what he needs to do to be saved. Because Paul asked the same question, Lord, what must I do? And he, he was told to uh, go see one named Ananias, and he'll tell him what to do. And so this is what Ananias uh, says here. Ananias finds out that Paul had been praying and fasting for three days. Paul has already called uh, Jesus Lord. He was stricken blind. And Ananias tells him, why are you waiting? He says, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, I find this, is, uh, this verse particularly interesting because baptism, washing away sins, and calling on the name of the Lord are, are all found here in one place. And they're all linked to Paul's salvation. So, when you think of what is calling on the name of the Lord, uh, I, believe, I believe it clearly states here in the Bible that that is being baptized. It is washing away your sins. And so we must call upon the name of the Lord. I put a little chart here together um, to try to tie it all together. Um, Jesus, you recall in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, he said, Go preach the gospel, right? And those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Now Paul, in Romans 10, when he's talking about how one would be saved, what must I do to be saved? His answer to the question, because his prayer for Israel was to be saved. One must be sent and must preach, right? And in that context, he mentions gospel. One must hear. How can they believe unless they hear, right? And then there's confession that's made unto salvation. That's on your way to be saved. And then he's, there's a calling on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So the only thing that's different between what Jesus said and what Paul said here in Romans is you've got this extra part of confession. Paul says that you would hear. I think it's implied here that Jesus would mean that you would hear as well. Uh, but calling on the name of the Lord. 
to be saved. Jesus said, be baptized for salvation. And then you, Paul, whenever he's accounting for his story, um, he, he went. Um, there was a preaching. He heard. And what happened? He was baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, and it washed away his sins, or he was saved. And then Peter, likewise, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible said that they went, preached, they went to the upper room. So they went, they went to Jerusalem. They went, they preached. The Bible says that those that were there, they heard it. And what did Peter tell them to do? They needed to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins or to be saved. And so um, if I were lined it up here, calling on the name of the Lord is being baptized. It is being baptized. They're synonymous. The way you call upon the name of the Lord is to be baptized for the remission of sins. And um, uh, that was a mystery to me for a long time. But upon a closer inspection of the Bible, um, that's, not a, that's not a simple prayer. Uh, that's, that's not just a few words or a feeling that you get. Um, that, that is an, an act of obedience and submission uh, to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Uh, in order to be saved. So, well, so you must be baptized. What must I do to be saved? In addition to all those other things we mentioned, you must be baptized. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and 21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. That antitype means like figure or something like. Uh, in the context of this, Peter's talking about what saved Noah. What saved Noah? And he talks about how eight souls were saved by water. Uh, and that's what saved Noah and his family. Uh, likewise for us, there's an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You must be baptized in order to be saved. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says these things save us. So I'd ask you today, what must I do to be saved? Must hear. First of all, someone must go and preach. I've done my best to preach the gospel to you today. Share with you the saving power of God that can redeem your soul from eternity in hell, and you can live alongside those saints who are going to heaven. You know, out of Thessalonians, one of the things I find very comforting out of that it says, And do you who are troubled rest with us? You know, your soul can rest easy in Christ, knowing that no matter what happens, uh, your soul's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ Himself. And as a Christian, as a Christian, I don't have to fear those angels. I don't have to fear those angels. That'll be a day of redemption for us. We get to look forward to living in heaven someday. But to those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's a flaming fire. So I ask you, will you be saved from that? Will you be saved from that? Knowing what to do, knowing what to do, will you let this opportunity pass to be saved? You see this guy here, he's happy. He's happy. You know, when you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, uh, you can rest knowing that you've been saved. What must I do to be saved? Hear? Did you hear what we had to say today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Would you repent from the sins uh, that you've lived in so long in your life? Would you change and turn toward the Lord and live a new life uh, and, and, and live to a newness of life in Christ? Would you turn your life around? 
Would you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And would you be baptized for the remission of sins, calling on the name of the Lord and be saved? I would encourage you to do these things. We have a, a song that's been selected. Uh, it's one of encouragement uh, to give you some time to uh, come let the brothers and sisters know that you would like to be saved. Uh, won't you come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation?